strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute is an exercise we call the K-Box Break Squats. This is an exercise that's kind of modified from one that Chris Corfus demonstrated in his sensational presentation at the seminar. To set up the K-Box for this, we use a belt, and we're going to make sure that the strap is long enough for us to get into full triple extension all the way up on our big toes. From there, we're going to sit into a squat and spin the wheel, and we're going to drive as hard as we can up. The goal of this exercise, then, is to keep our posture up, drive ourselves up as hard as we can, and then stop as fast as possible without our heels hitting the ground. What we love about this exercise is how it trains that braking force and for you to be strong in that stopping position to help carry over to change the direction of agility drills. Give this one a try. I'm sure it's one that your athletes will love and definitely see how it can be beneficial to their performance. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. See, Hayes, my man. It's been a long time coming to do this, brother. Appreciate you being with us today. What's up, Jay? Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's great to, uh, it's great to be here, man. Yeah, buddy. Well, listen, man, everybody should know because they listen to your awesome My Thoughts Mondays, but for the quarter of a person that hasn't listened to our show before, let them know, you know, who's Chris, where you at, and how'd you get there, bud? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm, uh, I, I want to give a quick rundown. I don't, my man Vinny went on for like 20 minutes the other day <laughs> about his journey, so I don't, I don't want to do that um, because people can Google it, but, um, you know, at Coppin State now, Coppin State University in Baltimore, uh, season three got here in, in the 18 start of the 18 19 season um so basketball performance director of basketball performance officially so just men's and women's basketball and um from the start man went to slippery rock played basketball there uh, as a walk-on um in, in western pennsylvania from there did grad school at george washington um under matt johnson who's become a great mentor and friend for me uh from there did a, a mentorship at louisville under tina murray uh, in an Olympic capacity, she was awesome for me as well um, in, in my growth. And then from there, kind of another mentorship, professional internship for the Dodgers. Um, there was a big part of me that wanted to pursue baseball for a while after my, my time at GW with baseball. Um, decided that baseball wasn't the route for me because of my, back, my, my background in basketball. And I felt that I wouldn't ultimately be as good in baseball as I could in basketball because I didn't know the game nearly the level that I think I know basketball. So, um, you know, was with the Dodgers, had a great experience with them. And then when this Coppin State gig opened up, um, you know, brought me back to the East Coast, close to family in Philly. And uh, 
you know, at, at 25 was a great opportunity to be in a, a basketball only role and a, a quote unquote head role. So been here since then, man, and it's, it's been a great ride. Uh, learned a lot and, um, you know, just trying to continue to get better. Dude, 100%. And I think that one thing that people hopefully have caught on to with your monologues is there's been, it hasn't just been the traditional evolution where you go from spot A to B to C, and those are your growth points. There's been growth points getting to and in each one, especially the last like 16, 18 months in Baltimore. Yeah, man. And that's like, you know, looking at my, my journey to this point, every stop I've, I've been fortunate and, and able to have GW, Louisville, Dodgers, they all were very different experiences in their own rights in terms of my mentors and what I learned and, and my growth there. But even within, like you're alluding to with Coppin State, I feel like year one to year two to year three has been almost a different experience where like year one, I got here right before the season started. It was literally, literally like five days before our first game because um, the previous coach events we had on a couple of weeks ago had, had left at that time for the G League. Um, and so year one, it was just about like whatever I can do, like, you know, get there, hit the ground running. Um, don't mess anything up. Don't change things up too much. But like however I can help or, or do whatever I can within my role or outside of my role to earn respect and trust and, and all of that from the staff and the players. I'm here for it, you know, and that was my first quote unquote full-time gig. So I wanted to, you know, be all in, of course. Um, and then year one into year two, I slowly started to take on responsibilities. And I, and I take, you know, it was ultimately me, like nobody made me do things outside of my role. It was just me being overly willing to do so. And year one to year two, I just found myself getting stressed with things way outside of training conditioning, like taking on some academic responsibilities, uh, doing Ubers and transportation to and from the apartments that our guys live off, down, off campus. And just things of that nature that were totally outside of strength and conditioning and performance. And at the time I'm like, no, this is okay. You know, at a cop in state, we don't have the staff and, and the resources. We don't have GAs and a ton of managers and all that stuff. And then year two to year three, I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I letting myself get so stressed by this stuff that's, that's you know, technically outside of my role and responsibilities. And so um, as people know, you know, cause I was, I uh, put it out there publicly. I was kind of on my way out from, from Coppin State and gonna go in a different direction. Um, but the staff, you know, showed me um, and, and kind of pitched me on, hey, like let, let's change your role. Let's change your responsibilities to, to what they're supposed to be. Take all the, the outside stuff away, um, which was great, you know, cause they showed that they appreciated me and, and valued me maybe more than I realized. And so year three now is just <laughs> within all the challenges of, of COVID, of course, um, is just trying to master my role and maximize my role as a strength and conditioning coach, performance coach, physical preparation coach, whatever we want to call it, um, and, and really just focus on that. And the things that I can't control or the things that I shouldn't control, just being able to let go of them and, and you know, be the best at what I'm supposed to be good at. But I also think there's probably some good lessons with all that, right? When we're talking about what's the word, the exuberance maybe of a young coach um, and you mm -hmm. kind of tie it in to whether we all like to admit it or not, that lack of security and that kind of fear of, of having our job or not saying no to things mm -hmm. and having to put on 
dude, those aren't even different hats, man. That's almost like a different like mask. <laughs> like no pun intended with the time, but like They're a different well like played. mask. Um, are we? Are we maybe missing some lessons from having to do those other things also that have helped you become a better practitioner? I think so, man, because those are, you know, still a little outside of me as a practitioner, as a, as a performance coach, is me being involved with those other things. At the time, I tried to frame it like, well, you know, maybe someday I'm not going to be a strength coach. Maybe someday I'll, I'll get into administration or I'll, I'll maybe want to be an AD or something of that nature. So, okay, being exposed to these other areas maybe have some type of benefit. But um, I think, too, it just it made me realize, like, when you have a voice in everything or almost everything, your voice gets watered down in each of those areas. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm getting on guys about going to class and being on time for class and, and things of that nature, my voice in strength and conditioning and the weight room and nutrition and sleeping and recovery and all those things now gets watered down because they're hearing me in all these other areas. So I think that was what I had to realize as well, um, is that my, my potency in, in the areas that I should be good at was being watered down. Bro, that's, I want everybody to go ahead, hit the back button like three times and listen to what you just said <laughs> again, because I can tell you with zero, zero hesitation that that is exactly what happened when we built that huge like monitoring system that we had like seven years ago where it was like they came into breakfast we got their questionnaire we did an omega wave we were tracking what they were eating versus their polar expenditure at practice and we had all these things and we were talking to them about sleep and readiness and how are you feeling and how are you eating and how was practice and now we're talking about the weight room, like eighth. And by the time we started talking about the weight room, they were so ready to punch me in the face that it was like, go away and just let me pick up a freaking barbell, you jerk, you know? And I think that what we do is we get so excited about all these other things that we can help with and all these other avenues that we can we can explore because we're the ones with the degrees and we're the ones that know better and they don't know the science and yada, yada, nana, nana, boo, boo, all this garbage. But really we cut our nose in spite of our face in so many instances with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, man, that's where I think we've, you know, you talk about the pendulum swinging all the time. I think we've pumped the brakes a little bit on all the, the high performance technology stuff. Not that it's not useful and beneficial, but like you can only do so much of it and have a voice in so much of it. And something comes to mind, MJ always talks about this, like high performance is for high performers, speaking about athletes and individuals. But at the same time, like at a Coppin State, you know, even at a Richmond, you probably don't have five assistants that are handling and managing all of this stuff, right? Like I'm one person at Cotton State, I don't have an intern or anything. So I can only do so many things and have a voice in so many things um, before it gets watered down. You know, as, a, as I'm sure you, you learned at Richmond as well at that point and at that time. So if you're in a professional setting or maybe a you know, top tier power five setting where you have GAs and assistants and, and all of those people, then maybe you can do all those different things. But as one or two or three people, 
you, you just can't do it. It's just not going to be as efficient, you know, as, a, as it could or should be. No way. Like, it's impossible. And I can tell you right now for everyone sitting there and saying, oh, well, you can automate this and you can do that in Excel or <laughs> you can write this in Python or R. Bruh, I did it. Okay. I wrote it all in Excel. I had it all written out. It was, we put in three numbers. We didn't even have to put in numbers at some point. It was just hit a button and things were getting pulled out. And yeah, you know what? My chest is up and I'm peacocking a little bit. I'm proud that I did that. I couldn't do it again, I bet you. But I'm proud that I figured it out. And like, even the business school nerds that are like, nerds is a mean word, I know. But they would say they're nerds. That were our managers that were like on the bus and I'm showing them all these algorithms that I wrote. They were like, that's really cool. Like, I loved it. Comma guys didn't care. Like, and that's the big thing, right? Is it's like, we talk about how we have to have buy-in. And I think that that was a big learning point. And I think that this might be something that you took away from that stuff too, is that it's not that they have to buy in to what we're doing. They have to buy into what we're doing for them. And if there's too many touches and you're too involved and you start to seem like you're big brothering or like, what's the word? Like you're just over encroaching where you should be. Mm -hmm. Resentment is what happens. It's not being involved. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's still a challenge for me, man, as I'm sure it is for, for many of us in the, the basketball only role or the one team only role is even like just owning in now in my role being training, being nutrition, supplementation, all of that, like every day telling them to take their shakes and their vitamins and telling them to get eight hours of sleep. Like even just those things, I feel like sometimes I'm overbearing and I have to check myself. Um, and just trying to like something we're, we're not struggling with recently, but I've been getting a little frustrated re recently. And, and this kind of goes into the transition with like the pandemic and how we're training differently this year is like, Dude, we're barely touching barbell stuff at all right now. And and I know some coaches will be like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, but because I feel like we didn't have as much time in the preseason, you know, to, to train as much as we normally would, because obviously we didn't because of the pandemic, I've been a little bit more basketball specific. I've been a little bit more functional this year, um, not in terms of trying to make things sexy or, or anything of that nature, but just simply truly preparing them for the demands of the game. And recently, you know, our guys, some of our guys have kind of been going through the motions, you know, if it's a pre-practice movement lift, we're doing some Viper work, 3D work, whatever, just to prepare them for practice. Um, guys might go through the motions a little bit. We just talked about it the other day. I'm like, guys, we're not, I'm not asking you to, to bench 300 pounds or squat or deadlift two, three, 400 pounds. Like all of this stuff is, is literally to prepare you for practice and, and make you hopefully a better basketball player or at least more prepared for the game that we're playing. I said, I don't think I'm asking that much. So why, like, why are some of us just kind of going through the motions? And I didn't really get an answer, unfortunately, at the time. But um, part of that, too, was just like, man, is my voice like, are they not hearing me? And if they're not hearing me, like, why are they not hearing me? And that comes back to just checking myself, you know, and checking ourselves and trying to figure out how we can better get to them, you know? Bro, 100%. And I think that that's a great transition, because I also feel like that is something that a lot of us have struggled with in, in this season is that, you know, I mean, it's all over the place. Like we're in another pause again. And it's like a lot of teams have been in and out and up and down and looking and reevaluating 
how our training programs are designed to best help and impact the young people we get to work with, whether you've taken X, Y, or Z out or put A, B, or C in, I think hasn't been as big of a focus as, and this is a positive, as what are we actually doing with the stressor we're providing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you had a great monologue about it, man, a week or two ago with like, maybe we do just need to be a little bit more general and just prepare them physically so that then they can go and play their sport, which I agree with. But I think part of what we get lost in sometimes, and, and this was like me just a few years ago as a GA and, and beyond is like, oh, we need to squat two times body weight. We need to and or deadlift two times body weight. We, need, we have these KPIs, which are great and they're backed in literature and all of that. But sometimes I think we get too obsessed with that just to make ourselves feel valuable and say, hey, coach, look, you know, AT can squat two times body weight. Okay, well, can, is he landing better? Is he, is he, or his knees feeling better, right? Like what really matters is that affecting what really matters? And I think this year, because we didn't have as much time to do that type of stuff, it's like, okay, how can I get my players to move better? feel better and perform better on the in the game of basketball and on the court and of course keep them healthy and give them longevity through the season without having the base that they normally would um so yeah man that's a big thing and i think just the probably the biggest tangible way to describe what what we've been doing differently is like instead of you know say we have three sets of of something now if it's a, a main lift a squat a hinge whatever it might just be the same for all three sets but it's like building in a lot more progressions, whether that be 3D type movement where the first set is sagittal, the second set's frontal, the third set's transverse, or just variations. Like if we're doing a hip hinge, maybe one set is a, is a um, you know, a neutral, neutral width or hip width, second set is a sumo width, third set is a stagger stance. Like just finding different ways to build in progressions where we might not need three sets of the same exact thing because the main stimulus we're looking for is not just strength or not just load, I'm more preparing them for positions and variability. And yeah, I still want them to squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, but that's going to happen in so many different ways on the court. Um, and we, again, we just didn't have the time to build up those things in terms of load or whatever. So how can I find different ways to build in variability so that they can do these things in so many different ways? We, we check boxes, positions, patterns, tissues, you know, all of those types of things um, just to give them the health and longevity that we're, we're hoping to have. Bro, hundred percent. I think the two, a lot of people like to forget that what, eight months ago, they were still taking basketball goals down in the United States of America. Like mm-hmm. something that no one ever thought would happen. Like they were taking goals down in parks to keep people from playing and we are rushing all the way back to where we were before. Now, some people are having great success with it, and that's awesome. But I also feel that, especially in this season, that has been adjectiveless. I don't even know. <laughs> um, to push fast at this point would be way more prudent than need be. Like if they weren't, we went from being in a situation where we were worried that they never got time off 
to them getting an immense amount of time off to a fast reintroduction and a just blitzkrieg almost of stimuli and hoping that they would make it through. I wonder, as is the question with so many things right now around what we're living through, what are the long-term ramifications physically? Like, have these massive increases in weather or the, after the break, whether it be of axial loading or, you know, uh, tenderness loading by the massive increases in basketball activity or whatever it may be, what are the long-term ramifications of that break to this that we mm -hmm. still haven't seen? Like, we saw mm -hmm. the acute stuff, right? Like, we've seen knees and Achilles and that stuff happen. But what's the long-term effect? Like, the wear and tear after the break, right? Just because you stopped for a bit and you felt better doesn't mean the problems were fixed. And did we go from zero to 100 and now all of a sudden these things are going to find a second, you know, peak, lack of a better term, again in the world we live in. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, I don't have a great answer for that right now, but I think we'll continue to see that through the end of the season as our chronic workload continues to build from the, the chronic deload that we had. And I think from the off-season transition will be really important. Is like, do we hit the ground running as soon as we can after our 14 days off? Do we give them a little bit more time because this season was such a acute slash chronic spike from all the downtime? Do we, you know what I mean? Like how we handle this next off season, I think is really important too. And, and I don't have the answer for what it will look like necessarily yet. Um, but I think that will be really important too. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. So then let me, uh, let me bounce this one off you. When we start looking at all of this and we start looking at how you've had to take a step back throughout this year, what are some primary things you see changing how you approach the physical preparation process moving forward? Yeah, man, I think, um, I think first, and, and let me preface it with this. I think a lot of it stems from, you know, for us in the basketball only role and the one team only role is what your head coach is about, you know, and like part of the reason, you know, I talk about we're not squatting, deadlifting, bench pressing as much, you know, all those big staple, you know, lifts, exercise, whatever. Coach Dixon doesn't ask me every week or every month or whatever. Hey, you know, send me our, send me our strength numbers. Where are we at? Like, he's not someone who needs to see that stuff tangibly, not because he doesn't believe in it. Um, but that's just not him um, as, as a head coach. And so I think what's really important to note is that what we do and what we expect is very often dictated, of course, by our boss, which in, in our cases is, is our head coach. Um, but I think the pendulum for me this year has swung more towards the, as much as I hate to say it, more towards the sports specific functional side, um, still within general preparation needs, but just a little more, you know, geared towards basketball and the sport that they're playing because we had less time to prepare for it. Um, so I think for me moving forward after this season, it will be finding a way to bridge the gap to where like going back to some of our nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes of, of you know, squat, deadlift, push, pull, all of that stuff while still keeping it, you know, quote unquote functional and basketball specific and all those things is how, how I'm going to build that together, whether it's all in one, whether it's more of a general preparation period after the season, the more specific, you know, more specific build as the season goes. Um, I think, you know, conditioning is still something that I'm always thinking about and tweaking like this year, 
I was really afraid to do, and, and I use afraid um, loosely, but we were concerned with doing too much extra impact conditioning because of you know what we talked about, um, tendon strength, you know, joint health, all of those things, um, and, and spiking impact, spiking workload, and, and risk of soft tissue injuries. So coming after the season, um, I think just being really smart with, with how we do that, because um, obviously conditioning energy, energy system development is really important for every sport, especially basketball, but still continuing to find ways to get creative with that because the season, again, just like workload wise, we had a chronic deload with, with the pandemic and then a chronic workload spike if we're looking at, you know, three to five months periods. And so it's like, how are we going to respond after this offseason or excuse me, going into this offseason after the season? Um, and so just being really smart with that stuff, um, I, I think will be key. Yeah, man, I think those are two really big lessons. And I think that especially that fitness aspect of it is one that, that basketball people overall have had a tendency to allow get away because, you know, like, Basketball is really the first sport to talk about basketball shape, right? Where like, you always have to keep playing to be in basketball shape. And I think that what we're learning is A, there is some validity to that. And B, there needs to be a bigger general base built for us to be able to, uh, lack of a better term again, it's terrible cliches, in awful terms to use right now, but like to survive through the season and to be healthy through the season and how much more important I think that's going to be with everyone looking as we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And just real quick on that, man, like, again, you talked about this recently with, with our aerobic base and, and how much we forget about the value of aerobic development and just doing a 20, 30, 60 minute LSD, whether it be a run bike, whatever, that's something that I've never mandated before, uh, whether it be a team setting. And part of that is logistically, like we don't have 20 bikes in our weight room. We have like two, um, but it's finding ways to mandate after this season when we get into, you know, early off season and general preparation is finding ways to mandate, you know, that, that LSD, that aerobic component, you know, 20, 30, up to 60 minute bike going for a walk. Maybe we walk around as a team. I don't know but like finding ways to build that aerobic base again. Cause I think that's something that definitely, you know, got left off this year with the shortened off season and preseason um, and the value of that for cardiovascular health. And, and again, of just like joint and soft tissue. So I think that could be a big component that, that we refocus on. hundred percent, brother. Well, man, let me get you out of here with this, Chris, where can people follow you? Where can they keep up with what you're doing and what you're building up there and, and, and all that jazz? Yeah, man. Uh, social media, of course. Um, In-season stuff, I'm not always as active as I'd like to be, but I try to post stuff when I can. Um, so C. Hayes Strength, at C. Hayes Strength, C-H-A-Y-S, uh, Strength, you know, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and then just follow all things Coppin State, uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, Coppin Sports. Um, you know, hopefully we're, we had a tough weekend against uh, Morgan State uh, with our Baltimore rivalry, but hopefully we bounce back from that and, and get some wins back in the column. No doubt, man. We'll make sure that's in the show notes. And always, bro, great to see you. Glad you're doing good, man. Truly appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You too, Jay. Thank you, man. Take care. Yeah, man. We'll be in touch, bro. Cheers, bud. All right.